Everybody having fun yet this morning? Good, 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 good. Go ahead and uh, pull out your Bibles. We're going to get to them. Bibles and notes, something to take notes with. Um, we are continuing our series this morning called, What's the Big Deal About Jesus? People, some of you have been here for a long time, and I'm going to recap the whole series, but I do want to hit a few uh, minor, uh, major, two major points that we've been building on this whole series. We're asking this question, what's the big deal about Jesus, which may sound like a silly question to ask in church, but if we're honest, it's a question we uh, either are all asking or we have asked. Uh, this is probably a question that's come up in conversation in some form or fashion with maybe you, your family, your friends. I mean, Christians make a big deal about Jesus. We do this church thing, but what's the big deal? I mean, history tells us that he absolutely existed as a human, but billions of people have existed and exist today. So what's the big deal about Jesus? And there's two uh, main things that we've been building on as we have gone through our series. If you've been missing some of it, really encourage you to check it out online so that you can get caught up on, on the other things we've been talking about. But the main, two, two main things we've been building on each week is, number one, Jesus is a big deal because of who he is. Jesus is a big deal because of who he is, which sounds really simple, but he is God, and that's a big deal. Our first week, we talked about uh, Peter's confession where he says, Jesus, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I'm encouraged by that, especially this morning, that no matter what I believe, feel, think, prefer, Jesus is King. Come on. Come on. Jesus is God, and that's, a, that's good. And, and you don't even have to believe it for it to be true, because he's a big deal because of just who he is. What I think about him doesn't change that. He's just God all the time, and God's good all the time. And I'm thankful for that. Number one, Jesus is a big deal because of who he is. Number two, Jesus is a big deal because when you know who Jesus is, you learn who you are. When you know who Jesus is, you learn who you are. He is so significant that not only does he define himself, but we are defined by who he is. That's the amazing thing about being a Christian is you become redefined not by what you've done, what you can and cannot do, but by who Jesus is. Excuse me. <laughs> I know you guys have been here a while. Don't get too used to those truths. They don't get old, right? right. Amen. So those are the two main things that we have been building on. Uh, two weeks ago, last time we had church, uh, the message we did, we, uh, we said Jesus is a big deal because he redefined religion. Is anybody here for that a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Redefined religion. I encourage you to check it out. A message that's been challenging me, and I hope serves as a challenge to all of us. We talked about how Jesus redefined religion when he said he desires mercy, not sacrifice. Amen? What did we say? We said that uh, Jesus will call you when religion disqualifies you. Jesus will, I forget what the second one was. Oh, he will take you places your religion tells you not to go. That's a big one. And Jesus gives you what religion can never earn you. Amen? All right, Mark chapter 1, we're going to open up to Mark chapter 1, we're going to be there this morning. As you turn to Mark chapter 1, I'm going to give you a, uh, just a quick overview of what's going on and what, what we're actually going to read, a little uh, preface of what we're going to read. So Mark chapter 1, obviously, first chapter of Mark. Mark is one of the Gospels, of one of the books of the Bible, there's a record of Jesus' life. There's four books like it, and this is Mark's so in chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1, so right from the very beginning. And there's a few things that we're going to run into pretty quickly. You're going to hear about a prophecy a guy named Isaiah the prophet. And that's right off the bat. There's a prophecy about um, the next character, John, John the Baptist, who you've probably heard of before. 
So there's a prophecy about John, and, and Jesus is intertwined in there too. So we talked about John the Baptist, and then, and then Jesus is going to enter the scene. And we're going to uh, hear about the time he is baptized, he gets tempted, and then he begins his ministry. And then he walks around and he, and he has a conversation with some people. So that's what we're going to read here in Mark chapter 1. Is everybody in for Mark chapter 1? Why don't we go ahead and just stand this morning? We're going to stand for the, the reading of the word. Come on, let's stand for the reading of the word. I forgot to ask if you needed a Bible, you can raise your hand. So we'll do that in a second. Because it will be on the screen. So it'll be all right. Mark chapter 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Yeah. If you don't have a Bible, say, I don't have a Bible. Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to read 20 verses, that's a lot. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, baptizing in the wilderness, and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all of the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him. In the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. As he preached, what if I did that while I preached? <laughs> he said, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. If you want to be covered in the presence of God, just say, that's me. That's me. Come on. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water immediately, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. I would have liked to have been there for that. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. How many of you know following God will still maybe end up in the wilderness sometimes? You're not wrong. You just following Jesus. And he was in the wilderness four days being tempted, and he was with the wild animals there, and the angels were ministering to them. But if you go to the wilderness, you get cool stuff like that. <laughs> now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. Somebody say fulfilled. fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Somebody say kingdom of God. Kingdom. Repent and believe in the gospel. Final leg here of these verses. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to him, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately, say immediately, immediately. they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending the nets. And immediately, say immediately, immediately. he called them, say called, called, called them. And they left their father, Zebedee, poor guy, in the boat with the <laughs> servants, and they followed him. Wait, go, team. Go ahead and take a seat. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. We just read a lot because I want to hit all of it, and it's awesome. But we're mainly going to be focusing on a, on a verse there in the middle, verse 15. Jesus comes in and he says, the time, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Believe in the gospel. Believe in the gospel. Amen. 20 verses, you guys did it. So proud of you. I want to call the message this morning. So if you got your notes out, I want you to write this down at the top of your page. I want to call this message, The King Came Calling. Thank you, wife. That's the right response. And as you write this down, I think you have to put an exclamation point on this side. 
I don't know how you can get away with not doing that. The king came calling. I hope that already just preaches to me. I hope it does to you. We could stop there. But the king came calling. I love it. There's two main things that God uses uh, to really speak clearly to me in my life. The first is the Bible, and the very close second is the Lion King. <laughs> Just being honest, it has to be the most anointed movie of all time. And you may hate that, but I just, I can't get past it. I mean, if Rafiki wasn't such a witch doctor, he'd be a great, like, Holy Spirit character. If he got saved, he'd be awesome. There's some amazing stuff in the Lion King. I mean, they've got everything. Like Mufasa, when he's, like, in the clouds, you know, and he's like, you're my son. I mean, it's so good. It's so, so good. And, uh, you know, our worship team always tells me not to sing up here, so I won't sing. What? Oh, you guys totally left me hanging. That's rude. We were going to sing the whole thing, but you guys don't like the Lion King, so we'll watch it next week. If you're familiar with the Lion King, which you really ought to be, then uh, you, you, you know that it's an incredible movie. And, and you'll know what I mean when I say this, that Mark chapter 1, specifically in verse 15, is kind of um, a uh, Simba on Pride Rock moment. At the end of the movie, remember when uh, Simba, he's come back, he's defeated Scar, and the music starts playing, and there's fire everywhere, but it starts to rain, because, you know, Simba's back, and Cry Rock is empty, and all the lions are looking up at it, and they're like, everybody knows Simba should go up there, but he's, like, been through a lot, and he's trying to figure out, like, oh, do I want to do it? Will I be who I know I am? Come on. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know, and Rafiki grabs him by the shoulders, and he says the best line. Yeah. <laughs> so Simba gives him a hug and he turns and starts walking up Pride Rock and the strings pick up and the percussion section picks up and he walks out on Pride Rock and the rain is in his long beaver sweet hair that he's got and the fire's going out and roar! He roars and then all the lions roar back and then he roars back and it's epic and there's goosebumps and you just feel like you can do anything. <laughs> I love that part in the movie. At least I feel like I can do anything. I'm like, yes, Simba, you and me, we're all together. <laughs> Simba takes Pride Rock, and it's a powerful, powerful moment. So Mark chapter 1, everything we just read is basically that. Basically, that's just what happened. I'm pretty sure that the Lion King makers actually modeled the Pride Rock scene after Mark chapter 1. Uh, it's a final Wikipedia. Uh, that's not true. Again, jokes are running low this morning. Come on, guys. <laughs> Mark chapter 1 is kind of a pride rock moment. When Jesus steps in on verse 15, he says, The time is fulfilled. He says, It is time. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. It's an announcement. He's stepping out and he's saying, There is a new reality in town. There's a new reality in town. He's announcing this kingdom. And it's this statement, but it's so important that statement, like it says, it's an announcement of a new reality. It's time. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is a private moment for Jesus. It's kind of, uh, I mean, Simba does it at the end, but Jesus does it at the beginning of his ministry, so that's kind of where the similarities end, I suppose. And we'll stick with the Bible from here on. Does that sound good? That's a line thing. So to understand kind of this, the, the significance of what Jesus says here in Mark 1.15, specifically this phrase, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God. 
It's an interesting thing for Jesus to say. For us to understand it, we need to do kind of a very brief uh, but significant kind of backpedal in the whole story and do a very broad stroke of like the big story of God. So I take a risk here. I may lose some of you, but we'll come right back around the other end and you can pick it up if you kind of follow. But I think we're going to be okay. Can we do that? Can you stick with me here? Yeah. Okay, so... We need to do an overview because in Mark chapter 1, well not just Mark chapter 1, but Jesus' life and even your life, Jesus' life is not this isolated incident that just kind of happened chronologically through history and so we, we put it in the Bible. Like it's, Jesus' life isn't, isn't isolated. Jesus' life and this announcement is part of a much bigger story that had been happening always since the beginning of Genesis, since the beginning of time. So there's a, there's a bigger story going on. Some people use a big word for it. They call it a meta-narrative. It's a big story. It's not a meta-narrative. Well, so there's a big story going on that, that Jesus is part of. So what I mean by that, look, if, if you look at verses 2 and 3, like I said, it says, As it was written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. And there's this prophecy here. That prophecy was written hundreds and hundreds of years before John was born, before Jesus was born. And if you look through uh, the New Testament, you can find literally hundreds of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his life. One, that's incredible and is a massive testimony to who Jesus is in and of itself. But for our purposes, what I'm, the point that I'm making is that there's a bigger story going on. You know, it's not just like, oh, Jesus just kind of showed up and... Now, now the story starts. There's prophecies, there's build-up, there's a preparing of the way of the Lord. So it's not the beginning of the story, it's part of the bigger story. And it, and it goes back a few, a few weeks ago, we talked about Genesis uh, 1 through 3. And, and this is kind of the broad overview of the big story that's happening. Genesis 1, 1 through 3, God makes everything, He makes people to be in relationship with Him. But people sin and break that relationship with him. Very broad overview, the rest of the Bible and history is the story of God winning people back to relationship with him. So that's the context within which we need to read the Bible in general. So there's just, you know, side note. Every time you pick up the Bible, that's kind of the context that we're going for. But when you look at Jesus, he's fitting into this story. He's not just the beginning of the story. I hope, I hope that's making sense. He's, um, there, there, there's, more, there's more going on. It's not just an isolated, chronological event. It's an important, bigger part of God's story. There's a present, there's a future, there's, there's a big story here. And this is important because not only is God at work in every generation, He's at work through every generation. And you're part of this story, too. There's, there's this, this, this bigger, bigger story that's going on. This is why we study history. This is why you know, we look back. Because what happened in the past impacts us. And then what we do in the present impacts the present and then therefore the future. In the midst of God's story of winning people back to Him, He picks a nation called Israel. And this is what the Old Testament is. God calls out the people um, in Israel. I forgot to give them this verse. It's 19.6. is when God shows up on a mountain and He says, You will be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. He picks out the, the people of Israel. Don't, 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 don't lose me here. He picks out the kingdom of Israel because he's going to pick one nation to be their king and manifest his kingdom over this one nation as a testimony to all the other nations. Because he needs to pick, he needs to single one out so that everybody else can look and say, wow, you're really blessed. He's like, yes, that's because of our king, not your king. And then everybody would come and know God. It's a beautiful plan, except people 
and the Israelites just kind of like us, sing like crazy, rebel, and do all kinds of crazy stuff. So that's what the Old Testament is. It's the story of God trying to manifest his kingdom on a chosen nation as a testimony to the nations of the world. As you read the, New, the Old Testament, you see that it happens so many times that after God has blessed the nation of Israel, the next place they go, they just give up. He's like, we heard about your God. We're not going to put up a fight. And that, that was kind of the point. God is sending, saying, I am supreme. I am the king of kings. Everybody can find shelter under me. Does that make sense? Cool. So, so this idea of a kingdom, the reason I've set this whole stage is because when Jesus steps up and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand, it's not a novel idea. This isn't just like, people would have had, you know, it's not that people would have had no idea what he was talking about. They would know exactly what he was talking about. From the beginning of time, God has been, set, been trying to set up his rule and reign in every aspect of our lives. And you're saying it's at hand now. You're saying the whole rule and reign of God is available to us now. That's an intense statement. That's a really, really intense statement. For him to come up and say, this thing that, you know, this, your history is thousands of years old of what God's been doing. He's been trying to establish his kingdom in that kingdom. All the time that it's been taken, it's fulfilled. It's time. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's a big, big announcement that God is making. In verse 11, Jesus is announced as the Son of God and he's baptized. The Holy Spirit comes on him. In verse 12 and 13, he shows his supremacy by conquering the devil out in the desert on an empty stomach. Amazing. <laughs> Verse 14 to 15, he stepped up to the scene. This is, what his, this is his first public thing that he does recorded in, in Mark. So he's been baptized. He's been covered in the Holy Spirit. He's conquered the devil in temptation. And in this place of victory, he makes an announcement. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. He says, the time is fulfilled. Everything you've been promised, it's in me. The kingdom of God is at hand. So just turn from everything else. And believe on me. The game has changed. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is, this is huge. This is huge. And, and honestly, this is something that us Christians need to become completely fixated on no matter the cost. This idea of the kingdom of God, I think, um, is foreign to a lot of us. But it's everything that God's been always desiring. You say, I'm not just coming to preach a message, I'm coming to reveal a kingdom. There's a whole rule and a reign and reality that I'm trying to show you. It's an announcement that the king has come. And the reality of the kingdom of God for us, this is where we get involved. The reality of the kingdom of God for us is so much bigger than your sins are forgiven, now go to church and be a Christian until you die. And that's what this whole series is all about. You know, if you've been with us, we've been prefacing this question, what's the big deal about Jesus, with the question, when it comes to your life, what's the big deal about Jesus? Because so often we just talk about, well, Jesus is a big deal because he saved you from your sins so you don't go to hell. True. But what about life all in the middle? What's the big deal? The big deal is that the kingdom of God is at hand. A new reality for us to live in is made available by the life of Jesus. Our church's mission statement is to preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great. And this week we're focusing on that first part. The gospel of the kingdom. The word gospel means good news because this is good news. It's good news. 
There's a new king, and his kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. We're focusing on that this week. Next week, we're going to get into, make, into, into making others great. What does that mean for us, and how does Jesus work into that? But we talk about we want to preach this gospel of the kingdom, but what, what is the good, what's so good news about the kingdom? If it's bigger than sins being forgiven, even, like, that's a huge deal, but it's even bigger than that. What are we even talking about here? What does that mean? Well, the good news of the kingdom, um, it absolutely means that by receiving Jesus' incredible gift of grace, your sins are forgiven, and, and you will be in heaven for eternity when you die. And that in and of itself is very, very good news. But also, it means that you, right now, are a new creation. And the old is gone and the new has come. It means that you're no longer a sinner, you're a saint. Not by what you've done, but by who Jesus has made you to be. It means that you're not a slave to sin. You're a child of God. Should I say that too? <laughs> it means that you can know God as a friend. You can walk with Him in every area of your life. It means that He wants to show you His ways, not just spiritually, but, but mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, relationally. You can have the rule and reign and live under the blessing of God in every area of your life. It means that you can live a lifestyle of beating the devil. I need that. I don't know about you, but the devil seems to hate me. <laughs> but the kingdom of God is at hand, which means I get to, get, a, get to live a life of beating the devil in Jesus' name. I just love saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I need a backhand somebody just saying that. <laughs> it means that you can walk in the wisdom of God. Yes. Parenting. Wisdom, <laughs> business, relationally, like I said, it means you can walk in the wisdom of God. It means you can heal the sick, you can raise the dead, and you can cast out demons. That's what that means, the kingdom of God. It means you can have your mind renewed by the word of God. It means you can, be, uh, you can persevere and not quit. It means you can make it through tough times by the fight of faith. It means that you can live as more than a conqueror. It means that you can bear fruit in your life for God and not just make it. Well, hopefully, just got to say, that's good. Well, hopefully, I'll just kind of make it. No, let's bear some fruit along the way in the kingdom of God. This is the good news and the reality of the rule and reign of Jesus, the kingdom of God. The king has come. And where the king is, there is his kingdom. And what did Jesus say? I will be with you always. We need to live in a kingdom. Jesus is a big deal because of who he is. And Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. But the thing about Jesus is the reason we kept reading is that Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't stop there. He didn't just stop by announcing it. He kept going. And that's why we kept reading. He, he didn't just announce that the kingdom would come. It says in verse 16 uh, through 20, it says, Passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew and brother of Simon casting a net in the sea. So he sees this fisherman and he says, I want you to follow me. And there was a word there in verse 20 after he sees some other guys and he calls after them too. It says, Immediately he called them. He called them. Jesus didn't just announce a new kingdom, he called you into it. He didn't just announce that the kingdom had come. He lived his life and he showed that when the king came, the king came calling. The king came calling. And this is a big deal. 
Because Jesus is a big deal because of who he is. He's the king. And when you know who Jesus is, you learn who you are. So when you know who Jesus is, that Jesus is king, you learn that you are called. When you know Jesus is king, you learn that you are called. And when you know that he is king, you get to know his kingdom. And by getting to know his kingdom, you get to know the kingdom that you're called to. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. This announcement, the time is fulfilled. All your hard work that you've been trying to earn, nope, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he didn't come to simply announce the kingdom he came to call you into it. And this is following Jesus. It is a kingdom calling. It is not simply a church attendance. It is not simply a religious affiliation. It is an invitation to live in a kingdom. And when you're called, you realize that salvation isn't just a spiritual destination. It's a kingdom invitation. We've been talking about that almost every week. That what if salvation isn't just a destination? It's an invitation. And when we start to give our lives and realize that when Jesus came, He came to proclaim a kingdom, we realize that salvation wasn't simply a, a, a spiritual destination when we die. It's a kingdom invitation for our life. Just clicking with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> when you give your life to Jesus, you don't just get to go to heaven when you die. Or you do, but not just that. You get heaven into you. For your life. And the thing about it, when heaven gets in you, it wants out. Come on, somebody. It's okay for that to get your blood going. Salvation didn't just get you to heaven, it got heaven into you. And heaven likes to come out into the world around you. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, why don't you learn how to pray? Just pray. Let your kingdom come. Let's see it. Let's see it happen. Let's see your kingdom come. When the king comes calling, you're given the ability to do what he calls you to do. There's some of you that maybe heard the call of God, but you have no way of doing it, but the calling in itself will fuel you for what you need to do. You can trust him when he calls you, he equips you, because you learn who you are by getting to know him. So if he calls you into something, the answer is just get to know him, and he'll show you how he does it. It's a kingdom calling. Amen? The Bible isn't just full of, of empty words for us. Because of the kingdom of God, this book is full of pregnant promises for you. This is what this means. That, 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 that the kingdom is a new reality. It means that this book is not just stories. It's not just history. It's a promise. And the promises that you read in this book, the things that we are called to in this book, the things we are invited into in this book, is a promise for your life. It is a calling for your life. It is a calling to a kingdom. It is an invitation, not just a book on how to get to a destination. Do you read your Bible this way? I want to encourage you to begin reading the Bible this way. God, what are you inviting me into? What could God possibly say? It could be amazing. God, would you show me what I'm called to as I read your word? And for us as Christians, we have a book, we got a book full of callings. And there's a lot in there, and uh, you know, it's kind of hard to get it all under control, you know? Jesus summed it up, he said, I want you to love God and love others. So that's helpful. It's a little shorter than this. That's good. But 
One thing I want to talk about this morning as we spend a few minutes wrapping up is that when we came to, or when we knew we were going to start this church, uh, we were living in College Station, Texas at the time, and uh, we had about a year and a half before we knew we were going to be able to move here. So uh, we spent that year and a half asking God, well, what, what are promises that you, what are, what are things you've called us to? We don't want to just go start another Sunday morning activity. But what are you calling us to? What are you calling us to? <laughs> what are you calling us to? So we spent about a year and a half asking God, well, would you give us some things that we know that we're called to so that when the routine comes, when the mundane comes, when the tough comes, when the high points come, we know we're not just kind of going along with whatever's happening. No, we're called to something. And I want to share with you three, three callings that God has given us as, as just a local house, as a local church. And therefore, if this is your church, these are your callings. That's encouraging. But when you come under the roof of the house, you get to come under the blessing. And so this is going to encourage you some callings that we're called to as a people. Number one, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. It says this. Jesus is in this story too. It says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Number one, as a part of this church, you are called to harvest. You are called to it. You're called to harvest. He talks about a field being ripe for harvest. All it needs is laborers to go pick the and as a Christian, and specifically even as a part of the church, this is a promise, a calling that God's put on us that wherever you are, see it as a right field. That's what I want to call you to. Your family, your workplace, your friends, your situation, your high points, your low points, is when you look at it, I want you to see a field white for harvest. Everywhere you go, just go as a laborer. I'm just coming to pick the fruit. I'm coming to pick the fruit. No matter how hard life seems, no matter how hard situations might seem, it is right fruit of the kingdom of God. Amen? You are called to harvest. You are called to harvest. This means absolutely that people are going to come to know Jesus. They're going to give their lives to Jesus. Absolutely. But what is the other fruit in your life? What does it mean that there's fruit for you to bear relationally in the tough relationships even? You guys can take that and kind of in every area of your life, relationally, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, financially. Lord, where is the harvest that I can walk into just as a calling? It says that people are going to be healed. We, we believe absolutely that God heals the sick, that he heals the diseases. We, this is a place where we're already seeing this happening in so many ways and so many different times where people are getting healed physically, emotionally, spiritually. We just had a story just this last week. Somebody in our church was on a plane, started talking to a guy sitting next to him, and he started asking, no, asking the story. He uh, had to retire 15 years ago because he had pain in his back so bad from a degenerative back disease. And he had been in serious pain for 15 years. He had to retire because of the pain. And the person in our church said, well, can I pray for you? I believe Jesus heals. And this is a kingdom mentality right here. This is a harvest mentality. Can I pray for you? He just lays his hand on him and just starts to talk to Jesus. And the guy's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what? What do you feel? He's like, I feel this heat all over my body. He's like, okay. So like, what was your pain at? He's like, I think he said like eight or something. He's like, now it's like four. He's like, wow, that's amazing. Let's pray again and see this whole thing go. So 
They prayed for him again, and the guy starts, on the plane, he starts lifting hand, and he goes, we, we have to praise Jesus. He goes, you, you don't know what this does for my life. 15 years yeah. of constant pain. And Jesus, in a moment, he steps in and he heals it. He steps in and he takes the pain away. And we're believing for those stories. If you're sick, we want to pray for you. We're believing for those stories. But there's also kingdom harvest in the journey. So many people, even just in the last couple months of this church, and people we've been walking with for years, the, the, the depression that's been broken off of people's lives, the brokenness in relationships, the brokenness uh, of, of insecurities, of fear, of all these things. This is a fresh kingdom, amen? We're seeing it in our church. We're seeing it in our city. We're seeing it in our nation. That there's a harvest for the kingdom of God. And wherever you are called to in your life right now, it is a harvest here. You're allowed to believe that. The harvest is ripe and we're called to harvest. Number one. Number two, Luke 13, uh, 18 through 21. Luke 13, 18, uh, we're just going to read 20 and 21. It says, again, he said that to, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leaven. I want you to know that God has anointed you. He has called you to influence. You are called to harvest and you are called to influence. As a Christian, as somebody who carries the kingdom of God, you are called to influence. And you may look around and not feel like you see a lot of influence in your life, but the story right before it talked about a mustard seed. The smallest seed in the garden grows a big old tree that, people, that birds can live in, people can live in. <laughs> the birds can, that birds can build nests in. And if we'll be faithful to plant the little seeds of influence in our life, the promise is that it's going to grow. It talks about leaven. You just put a little bit of leaven and a whole bunch of dough, and it raises the whole bread. I don't know what situation you find yourself in, but if you can plant a little bit of faith, you're going to see a whole lot of growth. Just plant a little bit of faith, because you're called to influence. And if you will just be, you will be where you are. Just be where you are, on purpose. Know that you're called. Know that it's a harvest field. Just believe, God, I'm going to be faithful because you call me to influence. And one of these days, these little mustard seeds I'm planting, these little leaven I'm putting in the loaf, some days it's all going to raise up. Some days these seeds are going to turn into trees. And there's going to be people eating out of those trees. There's going to be birds living in those trees. There's going to be whole ecosystems built because of the faith that I planted in a hard place. You are called to influence. Own your relationship. Own your sphere of influence right now. Your friends, your workplace. Where can you be influenced for the kingdom of God? You're called to influence. The promise is not go do it. It's just going to be a mustard seed. A mustard seed doesn't grow itself. Amen. Good. You're called to influence. Number three, last, we'll finish up here. You're called to fame. You're called to fame. Genesis chapter 12. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says this, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and then, here we go, and you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Pick up the story. This is where Israel is originally called like I talked about at the beginning. Jesus calls out one man. says, I want to bless you and build a nation out of you. He says, I'm going to take your family and bless the nations of the earth. We say that we want Antioch to be a place where you can become family. And the kingdom of God is a family. 
It's a family. Like I said earlier, God doesn't just work in generations and push a reset every generation. We just start over and we're doing this loop. No, this God works through all generations. And we have inherited what the generations before us have gone and done before us. And, and we have a responsibility, we have an opportunity as a part of this family to, to, to steward our call to harvest, to steward our call to influence, and to steward our call to family so that we can pass it on. And others can take it farther. Because you call the family. This isn't just about you. Your life isn't just about your life. It works into a great big story. And you work into a family. You work into a family in the kingdom and in this church. And we want to see this church become a family where everybody takes a seat at the table. Yeah. You say, I, I, I don't know if I have a lot to bring or a little to bring, but I'm here. And we need you. And you need the people around you. It's going to take commitment. You're going to have to work through some relational stuff that will be a lot easier to just walk away from. But if we'll do it, God's promise is if you'll build faithfully a family, I will bless the nations. Are we crazy enough to believe? Yes. 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 You're going to ask me to believe for Come on, I like that. We got there today. That's good. Are we crazy enough to believe that what God builds in a basement in downtown Indianapolis could touch the nation? Yes. Are you crazy enough to believe that what God built in your home, when it would be easier to yell and you, and you subdue your voice and you be patient for your child or for your spouse, could it be that that could bless the nations? Yes. Could it be? I think it could be. We want to be a part of the kingdom family. We want you to be a part of the Antioch family. And we want to invest in your nuclear family. We want to believe for that. We're seeing it in our church. My goodness, in three months, some of the testimonies of what's happened in marriages in the last three months are unbelievable. We just had a, a five-week marriage equipping course. There had like 16 couples. That's like our whole church. <laughs> Being part of it. And the testimonies coming out of people growing in, in communication and intimacy and finances. You know, like the super fancy stuff. No, it's just a family. We're learning how to live together. Not just freak out. We're learning how to, not, how to explode. And all of a sudden, somebody's going to knock on your door one day and say, all I know how to do is explore to my wife, and you don't seem to do it that much. How did you do that? Come on, somebody. A little bit of harvest, a little bit of influence, a little bit of family, and God can do a whole lot of work. Because He is the King that He has called you. He has called you. He has called you to family. And I want to invite you to be a part of this family. Like I said, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. That means it's going to be hard. I don't know if any of you happen to be a part of the family, by any chance. But there's like interesting things in there. But, <laughs> but the promise of God is what you faithfully build, I can generously bless. What if? It's worth it. It's worth it. It's going to be worth it to press in. It's going to be worth it to persevere. It's going to be worth it to work through everything that needs to get worked through because we're called the family. We're not called to just have our own little walk with God where we uh, show up to church every once in a while and nobody really knows my name and I just need to get filled up. No, we need to be a family where we all invest. Because it's where you invest, you get a return. There's something there that we don't have time to go into, but we'll just leave that there. Jesus is a big deal because he's the king, and when the king came, the king came called. Jesus is a big deal. You're called. You're called today. You're called. And I'm just going to, I think we're going to end the service by praying. I'm not going to worship again. I broke all the rules. Oh my God. 
But I just, I just want that. I just want us to know, to know that. I, I just, I don't know. This, this week was a, was kind of a crazy week. I hope this message was This week was kind of crazy. And I was telling some people earlier, I worked really hard on this all week and didn't have a topic to preach on until 5 o'clock yesterday. And it's just, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? Because I don't know. It's brought me back to the beginning. Like, why did you go do this whole thing in the first place? When we got asked if we come here and start this church, it was the last thing I wanted to do. Because I thought, go start more, like, churchy Christian activity. Because I want, I, want, I want to see something happen. You know, like, I grew up in church, like you said, my whole life. But I told you, when I started reading the Bible in college, and we did that whole first series, God, this changes everything. What changed everything was I started to see a kingdom. Like, this changes everything. This means there's stuff I'm addicted to. I don't have to be addicted to it anymore. This means that my attitude doesn't have to be so bad all the time. It means that things can go wrong and I don't have to tank. It means that things can change and I don't get thrown off. It means that I can do something and leave something behind. There's a kingdom. And that year and a half that we took praying, these, these promises are everything to us. These promises are everything to us. It's just, if we're going to do this for Sunday morning activity, there's a whole lot bigger, better, fancier, funner, flashier places to go. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But if we're going to come start another family, then let's do family. If we're going to come do this, then let's believe for a harvest. If we're going to do this, let's implement something. It may look big or not look big, but if we're fulfilling the calling, then the king is working. Amen? Amen. And so I wanted to share this message to invite you in. It's, it's just, it's a big deal. And it changes everything for you. And I hope that maybe if this whole kingdom thing is new to you, that it becomes something that you take the time to really dig into, you know, on your own time. You know, like 40 seconds left. <laughs> Just dig into it on your own time and start thinking about what could this mean? What could this mean? Because this is a big deal. Where's the harvest in my life? Where's the influence in my life? Who's my family? How do I do family? And God just might do something big. Whatever that means. We cool? Yeah. Church is fun, right? Yeah. I like it. I like it. I'm really glad that everybody's here. And I'm really glad that on whatever level you've already said, this wants to be your family, this is your first time, that's awesome too. It's like no pressure to bring like, have you check a box when you walk out the door? Like a cult? We're allowed to, we're allowed to leave? <laughs> Don't want you to because we love you, you know? <laughs> But I just want to say that so that you know, that you know what we're believing for. You said you know what we're called to. Because when you run as a part of this family, it means you can pull part of the way. And that's a blessing. For you and for me and for everybody else around you. It's just a fun deal. This is a big deal. And this is the God that I found. This is the king that I found. And I hope we can all just go deeper and deeper together in our company. Amen. We pray for us. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are the king. We thank you that when you came, you came calling. You came calling us like you found Simon and Andrew and James and John. You found us doing whatever we were doing and you invited us in. We thank you, God, not just for a destination. We do thank you for that. 
We ask you for it, or we thank you for an invitation. Thank you for an invitation today, Jesus. I pray that we would be people that take you up on it. Even when we don't know how or what it looks like and all that, we just keep showing up, keep signing up, and be part of the thing. We love you. Would you fill us, Holy Spirit? We thank you for harvest today. We thank you for influence. We thank you for family. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen. Amen.